welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Come on, let's pray, and then we are, um, we're going to start a new kind of series of talks, um, messages, whatever you want to call them, and, um, but let's pray. Father, we just thank you that your presence is here. We thank you it goes beyond our comprehension, our feeling, goes beyond even what we're experiencing. And Lord, we just lean into the promise that where two or three are gathered in your name, you're there in the midst. And so we just believe that right now. And as a result of our believing, we ask that your manifest presence would just fill this room, would touch every heart. Lord, I'm praying that anxiety would just be lifted off people this morning. I'm praying that sickness would be healed this morning. I'm praying, Father, that that person that's away from you, that's living in sin, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that conviction would fall upon them and that they would uh, get their life right with you, that ask for forgiveness, that repent of their sins. I'm asking today, Father, for the church that's complacent and lukewarm, that you would set it on fire for you. I'm asking this morning, Holy Spirit, because we believe that Jesus is in our midst and wherever He is, there's freedom and there's liberty. And so I'm asking for the kind of freedom, uh, the kind of freedom and liberty, Father, that um, is, exists in heaven. And we wanna see it manifest here in this place, in this, in, in this room today, in our lives, in our hearts. And so we just submit our lives to you. Holy Spirit, uh, we just open up our hearts and our prayer is that you'd speak to our hearts, that you'd change our lives, that you'd let your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit come and move in this place in the name of Jesus. And somebody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, exciting, good times. We, we are going to keep um, heading back to the book of Acts um, over the next coming weeks and months. Um, but one of the things that we do in our, at Empower is, um, uh, just so that you know, uh, we don't, generally, we don't do offering talks every single Sunday. Um, we don't talk about money a lot in the sense of um, a weekly kind of encouragement to give. We don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. More power to churches that do that. This isn't an us and them type of statement. But it is a thing that, um, that uh, we are doing at this point in time. So if you do want to be a giver and a contributor to what God's doing through Empower, it's completely up to you. It's always free will. It's always by your own choice. And we make it a little bit harder because, um, and make it your choice even more so because we don't hand the buckets around as a reminder every single week or anything like that. You have to consciously go and make a decision, jump online, head to the back. There's a giving station there um, and all those sorts of things, which Chip will talk about the practical ways by which you can give if you so choose later on. Um, 
But once a year, we've made a commitment as church leadership that we will unapologetically do a series where we do talk about money and we do talk about giving and we do talk about generosity and we do talk about stewardship. I do want to put a disclaimer out at at the start of this series, which will go for four to five weeks, that we will not be taking a big offering at the end of this teaching series. Because the teaching series is, is designed and the purpose of it is to challenge you to be a giver, okay, a person of generosity rather than us raise finance for a one-time offering. Another disclaimer, lots of disclaimers because we've been in COVID for two years. There will come a point in time as we actively pursue uh, property and all those sorts of things where we might do special one-time offerings. You'll know about that and as you connect with our heart, hopefully you understand the why behind those things. We don't not do weekly offering talks because we don't think that the offering or money needs to be spoken about. But we've decided to put it into a four to five week series because we want to teach, empower and equip you. We want you to have a greater understanding of what God thinks about you you as a steward, you in your stewardship, you in your giving, you in your tithing, our belief as a church on tithing, all those sorts of things. And so we'd rather, uh, we'd rather, I suppose, teach you, uh, we'd rather kind of, instead of spreading it out, hopefully getting some thoughts where people actually just generally shut off in the offering talk anyway, We'd rather just give you some really unapologetic biblical teaching and truth on giving, stewardship, etc., and go a mile deep, inch wide, but a mile deep, rather than a mile wide and only an inch deep. Does that make sense? So today we start a series on stewardship. Just turn to your neighbour and say, yippee. Oh, it's good. And we're going, to read, we're going to read a few things. But a, a part of our, our thinking around this is, did you know that only 3 to 5% of people in this building, maybe not this building, but collectively, the Barnard, Barnard I think it's Barnard or Barnard, uh, Research Institute, which is like a Christian uh, uh, organisation that does uh, a whole lot of research on the global church, say that three to 5% of people that attend church regularly, only three to 5% of them actually regularly give. Three to 5% only regularly give. We don't like talking about money that much in the church because if there's a thing that the world love going after, (laughs) it is the church and money, isn't it? And we've seen, and I believe that we should be, we should pray, especially for the mega churches in our city and in our nation, that God would shield them from the uh, from some of those accusations and um, different media outlet stories. I believe that we should be praying for the entire church that uh, God would have His way. I also want to say that in this era where everyone has their own truth. It's important that we continue to gravitate and come back to actually what God's Word says about giving money 
and our lives. And we've entitled this series Stewardship um, uh, for a few reasons. A couple of these weeks will speak specifically about money, but most of the weeks will speak, we'll speak more broadly about what it means for you and for I to be a steward of the things that God has put within our hands, money being only one part of those things. Just one part. Uh, on the 14th of August, we will be having, I'm speaking very matter-of-factly at the moment, we'll be having Dr. Michael Grec, Greco, hopefully that's how you pronounce his name, and uh, he will be coming. He has written a book on essentially um, the, the space of giving and tithing, and he'll be coming and speaking to us an awesome message that I heard him preach on tithing. And um, I want to encourage you to be a part of that service. So he's a wonderful speaker, and I believe that it's going to be. Um, I believe that it's going to impact us us all quite deeply. So that's happening on the 14th of August. So make sure that you're there. But let's start from the top. Stewardship. Stewardship. You know, our world is uh, consumed and somewhat crippled by money and possessions. Wherever we go, whatever is happening in life, a lot of it happens as a, or we make a lot of our decisions based upon our financial situation. And it's really important for us to continue to acknowledge that money is just a means to an ends and that God is, uh, God is the one that should be steering the ship, not money. Not our resources, not what's happening in our life, but rather our obedience to Him. And the first thing that we must acknowledge if we are wanting to change and to be like Jesus is the environment, the world, the culture in which we live. And I think you and I would agree that we live in a world that is consumed by consuming. We live in a world that is consumed with consuming. It's quiet in here. Consumed with consuming. Everything that we do is about consuming. When we jump on social media, what are we doing? We are consuming content. That's why they call it a feed, by the way, because you're being fed by what you are scrolling through and you are feeding on that thing. And that image that you continue to look at, it is put within the heart of mankind to want to be like the image that they look at. That's why Corinthians teaches us beholding as in a mirror, we are transformed into what we look at, okay? And so that's why we must be intentional in this time to be looking at Him, looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so our world is wired on consuming. A lot of our lives are really, and our goals, if we practically think about some of the goals, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these goals, a nice house or new car or these things. This isn't about us taking up a, um, this isn't a, 
a, a, about prosperity and it certainly is not about poverty, right? So this isn't me saying God doesn't want you to have the nice house. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, is if a lot of the time when we look at our goals, when we zoom out, we realise that it's stuff. And stuff is fine to have until the stuff that you have actually has you. And so we live in this consuming world. And I, I started to wonder as I was researching for this series, if maybe, it was ve- maybe it's just been a thing in humankind since sin entered our lives and our world since we were born into it. I started to wonder if it was like this in Jesus' time. As I began to research and you look in the parables, 16 out of 38 parables mention money or possessions specifically. So nearly half of the teaching that Jesus did, Jesus spent his time teaching about money and about possessions. Luke 14 Verses 33, it's going to go up there on the screen. Listen to this. This is a tough scripture to read on Sunday morning in Melbourne, Australia. But listen to this. Jesus has just unleashed this phenomenal kind of teaching and thought about, uh, if you look in your Bibles, it's, it's got a little subheading maybe called the cost of discipleship or the cost of following Jesus. And he, um, in verse number 33, he kind of finishes with this closing statement and he says this. He says, so likewise... Whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not forsake all cannot be my disciple. This sounds like a hard, a difficult scripture. And I don't know about you, but even when I read these sorts of things pastorally, you know, you kind of want to cushion them a little bit. (laughs) you want to help God sometimes. Like he doesn't really mean that in that way. He kind of, um, and that's, that's, I think, a part of the problem with the church in the West is that we've, we've stopped preaching the Bible. We've started preaching our version of the Bible instead of just saying, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to forsake all. That is what the cost of discipleship is. His word is unchanged. And we've got to be a people that are okay to sit in this room. And if you're feeling uncomfortable about this idea that Jesus would walk up this aisle or that aisle right, get into your face and say, great, you've done all these charitable things. Great, you've, you've done this and you've done that. But my requirement is that you forsake all. If you do not forsake all, you cannot follow me. What a hard scripture. I think a good question for us as we kind of um, get into this teaching is to really just just take a moment and think about that statement for your own life. Maybe ask it in a personal way. Write it down if you need to. Have I forsaken all to follow Jesus? Or maybe a question that you need to ask is a preliminary question before you get to that one. What does it mean for me to forsake all to follow Him?
because the cost is different for everyone. Luke 14, we haven't read the whole thing, talks about your father and your mother and your family. But then there's another story in the Bibles that if you've been in church for a while, you know about, and it's the story of the rich young ruler where he says, I've done everything. I am pretty much so good. I've made no mistakes. I haven't sinned since this and that and that. And Jesus says, there's one thing I require of you. Go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. The Bible tells us that that rich young ruler could not do it. So for some of us, it's the idol of family. For some of us, it's the idol of money. For some of us, it's the idol of comfort. For some of us, it's the idol of you fill in the blank. Forsaking all to follow Jesus. And see, the truth is, is that this is actually more about the heart than it is about the stuff. This is more about the heart than it is about the stuff. And because it's more about the heart, it's actually more about stewardship. And we're gonna break that down and talk about that in a moment. It's about the heart because if you can't lay it down in your heart, you'll never be able to actually lay it down in your life. If you can't lay it down in here, you'll never be able to lay it down in real life. And maybe Jesus spoke so much about money and possessions because he saw the powerful hold it had on the people that he was speaking to literally as he was teaching and walking the earth. Maybe he saw the power that stuff had on the human heart. Maybe he saw it so much so then that, he, that that's why it was included in so many teachings. Maybe he saw that because it had the human heart, it pointed the direction of where that human heart and what that human heart worshipped. Because if it comes down to heart, then it really comes down to this idea and a bigger question of what do we worship? And who do we worship? Who do we worship? Let's quickly read this in First Genesis chapter 24. Uh, first uh, Genesis chapter one, first Genesis, what am I talking about? Genesis chapter one, verse 24. I'm making up new books. This is right at the start right at the start of the Bible, okay? And uh, God's created the heavens and the earth from verse 24 to kind of through to uh, 2026. Um, He's made animals, he's made livestock, he's made trees, he's made all these sorts of things. And then we get to verse number 26, if that's okay, somewhere. It's coming next slide, please. Verse 26 says, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and the livestock and the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. And God created human beings, verse 27, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Verse number 28, listen to this. Then God blessed them and said, so when God blesses something, he's an empowering and anointing and giving the uh, 
the ability, the anointing means like God's enabling power. He's giving that, He's putting that within them. God blessed them. So God put the ability to do what He's about to require of them within them. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and look at this word and govern it or manage it or steward it. Look after it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the, in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. Fill the earth and govern it. Govern it. See, most people don't have an issue actually with, with um, people that have, say, all the church wants is your money. That's probably because they actually worship it. They actually worship money. You're going, man, this is like crickets. Normally you're amen, standing up, shouting hallelujah. Might need to go back to that first song, Julie. Come on. But the truth, the truth of the matter is, is that God never gave us ownership of what we have. He entrusted us with a gift you attach a label to what that gift is. That gift is your life. That gift is your job. That gift is your children. That gift is money. That gift is talent, whatever that is. And God entrusted that to you. And He has asked you not to own that, but to realise that you are actually a steward of that. You are a manager of that. So the talent to sing or the talent to cook or the, the gift of hospitality that you have or the money that's in your bank account or in your crypto wallet or whatever it might be, I had to be culturally relevant, whatever it might be, that, that thing that you have, that skill, that talent, maybe it's a home that you have, maybe it's a house, maybe it's something physical like that, maybe it's a car, maybe for, for someone in the Bible, it was a donkey that was gonna fulfill prophecy because Jesus needed a ride to, to Golgotha. That's what Jesus needed. And it was just a man's donkey that was available to be used. And he didn't own it. He was just a steward. The owner in Jesus was gonna sit on what that man was stewarding. And that is exactly what we want. Hear me preach now. We want the King of all glory to come and sit on the thing that we steward for His purpose. We want to allow, we want to, be, we want to be the people that realise that we are not owners, we are just stewards. And so the, the real issue of stewardship is about ownership. The real issue with stewardship and really giving, when we think about it, we need to start asking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. See, before we can talk about money, the reason why three to five percent only of people only, only give to church, right, or give to God through the vehicle of the church, and this, but believe me, this is not a money raising exercise. It really isn't. Like, please take a few months, judge the word the Bible says, go read some books, read thoroughly on the topic of tithing. We can point you in a whole lot of resources. I've read 
both spectrums of the reading, which tithing's Old Testament, we don't need to do it anymore, through to, well, Melchizedek was Jesus, and here we are, and Abraham, and he gave it, and, and here we, and like, this is not about raising our giving. This is about raising our devotion. Because the true reason why three to 5% of the church only give is because we've become so good at attending church and so bad at being disciples that have understood the cost that it requires to be devoted, radical followers of Jesus. So instead, we make decisions about church based upon whether the music is our style or the preacher is what we wanna hear or the building has the right heating or the right temperature. And I'm not saying those things are not important. I'm just saying those things should not be the measure of, uh, they should not be the determining factor of whether we are devoted followers of Jesus. We've got to go so much deeper than what happens in this room. Our faith must go so much deeper than just what happens here because one day, what if we don't have the opportunity to gather here? What is your devotion to Jesus gonna really look like? And so we've got to allow the strong Word of God to come and slap us upside the head every now and then, ask some deep, penetrating, life-changing questions about who we are and what it means for me, Matt Garner, own it for yourself, whatever your name is, for me as a follower of Jesus, as a believer in Jesus, what does it look like to be a disciple. What does it look like to be a disciple? Let's read another scripture and then we'll, we'll bring, bring this home. Next week, we're gonna really unpack this idea of stewardship versus ownership, but I wanna lay a foundation today because we can't get to the stewardship part if we haven't settled the stewardship of you. We can't get to the stewardship part of stuff, resource, talent if we don't first deal with our own hearts. This is where it starts. And this is where it's painful. <laughs> it's painful because I'm not talking to, you, to your neighbour. I'm talking to you. Surely you're talking to my parents. I am talking to you. <laughs> yeah, but my mum's more spiritual and so surely, no, 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 stop. My dad's the pastor, sorry, my kids are in kids' church, that's all good, they're serving. <laughs> my parents are the pastors and so you're probably talking to them. No, no, I'm, I'm actually talking to you. Because what I want what I, to what I raise the bar of is I want to raise the bar of our devotion to Jesus. I want you to understand that there is a cost. Can we just preach the word this morning? 
I want you to understand that there is a cost in following Jesus. Young people, listen to me. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to walk in an opposite direction to culture and to friends and to the cool group and to what's popular in this world. You're going to have to switch off YouTube and God help us, delete TikTok. Somebody delete TikTok, please. Off the face of the earth, delete that app. Do it. It'll help you. Trust me. You're going to have to make some strong decisions, business person. I know no one, no one will know. No one, it'll be all good. No, the Lord will know. And the cost of following Jesus is walking a life of purity and integrity and saying no to the world when everyone else is saying yes to it and doing so saying yes to Jesus with your whole life. See, I don't want you to just be obedient in a moment. I want you to be surrendered for a lifetime. Obedience is great. Surrender is better. Because surrender is just, surrender is a yes to everything. That's what this series is about. It's about understanding that you've got, a, you've got something that God has put within you to steward for Him, to worship Him, to bless His name. And you can't do that unless you first realise that this is going to cost you everything. <laughs> I'm smiling on the outside. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's Jesus trying to do? Jesus is trying to move their perspective from earth to heaven. He's going to say, you're anxious because you're not looking from an eternal perspective. You're worrying because you're looking down here, not up here, right? Verse 22 reads like this. It says, then the lamp of the body, like think about this. Remember, Jesus is talking about stuff now. He's talking about giving. He's talking about not, not worrying. And check this out, right? The lamp of the body, this seems like random to put in there. The lamp of the body is the eye. And therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What that's talking about, there's a Jewish kind of tradition, I suppose, in Jewish tradition rather, um, it was said, um, I would go up to someone like Calvin and say, man, there's so much light in your eye. You've got a good eye. And really what I was saying about Calvin is that he has a generous spirit. He, he has a generous spirit. Stuff doesn't own him. He points the stuff that he has, including his time, his resource, all those sorts of things, in a direction to bless others. And so they used to say of Calv, they used to say of him, that he has a good eye. It says if your, your whole body, if your eye is good, Right? If your eye is good, then your whole body will be full of light. And this is what you need to know about when you worship stuff. It's like being bitten by a snake. 
It's like having poison running through your veins, okay? It corrupts every part of your life when you have a stingy, poverty-driven spirit. When you have that kind of stinginess in your heart, when you have, are only focusing on earth and not on heaven, it's like poison running through your entire body. That's what the Bible's trying to teach us here. But if your eye is bad, if you aren't generous, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then everything that you touch, everything that you are, is affected by whether you have a generous heart or a stingy heart. Or whether you're a good steward or whether you're a bad owner. More on that next week. Whether you're generous in all that you do, whether, the, whether or not you and what you have you can release freely to others or whether what you have really has you. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Other translations directly put that as money. You cannot serve God and mammon. A spirit of mammon. You can't serve God or you can't serve money. See, the thing with money, has anyone got any cash on them right now? Anyone got any cash? Can you just give me something like a $5 note? No one. I'll, I'll, I'll give it back. Maybe, thanks. Uh, oh, don't worry, mate. Stay. Oh. oh, two, here. Take back the 10. <laughs> the truth is, is that, that this $50, it's amoral. It ha- it, 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 there's nothing corrupt. There's no spirit that is in this. The spirit is in whose hand holds it. And now it's mine, cool. Thank you very much. Are you with me? The, 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 this money becomes evil when it's attached to an evil heart. We misquote it, at least the world do a lot, where they say, you know, the love of money, or money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is. Because the reason why the love of money is the root of all evil is because you're actually worshipping a spirit the spirit of mammon instead of Jesus. And there's one thing that you need to know as we start this, what you worship, you slowly become like. And so when you worship mammon, you become like it. You end up becoming greedy, stingy, inward focused. You end up having anxiety because you never have enough. You don't trust God. That He, you, you, you know the scriptures because you can quote them all. My God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory in heaven. Ah, dopamine hit. You know what I'm saying? You can quote all the scriptures. You can do all those sorts of things, but the issue is not this. The issue is the heart. 
The issue is, is what is inside of you. And can I be as so bold to say in this very pastoral moment, if you are visiting, I'm so sorry, block your ears for a moment. But maybe you've been worshipping an idol. Take that back, cool. Well, you said it's yours. No, no, no. no. <laughs> take it, take it. Hurry up, come on, mate. Buy us all a coffee at the end of the service. The coffee machine's fixed, by the way. Praise Jesus. Yeah, the loudest you've been all message. Coffee. Exodus 19 verse 5 says, all, God said, all the earth is mine. Psalms 89 verse 11, the psalmist echoed that same sentiment when he said, the world and all it contains, you have founded them. It all belongs to the Lord. And see, the issue is not money, the issue is the hearts. The issue is not you needing a better job, but the issue is the heart. The issue is not you saying, well, I'm not as gifted as that person. The issue is the heart. The issue is, is that your heart is consumed with worldly things and it needs to be consumed with Jesus. I want to finish with the story, Calvin, if you wouldn't mind jumping up. Because really what I'm talking about today, I am talking about stewardship, absolutely. But really what I'm trying to talk about is I'm trying to talk about surrender. That's really what I'm trying to talk about. I should have just said that at the start. I'm trying to talk about you and your devotion to Jesus. Now, most of you I know on a, on a pretty good basis and I know that you're committed and I know that you love the Lord. But I'm asking you to lay it down afresh before Him. I'm asking you to, I'm asking you to, I'm asking some of you have put dream, God dreams because in one season they didn't come to pass or they got shut down or life just got busy and took them away from you. And I'm asking you to bring them back to the Lord. Can you feel this, oh man? Church has a real good way. Trust me, it has a really good way of, 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 of shaking you out of this. But I'm asking you not to come back to church today. I'm asking you to come back to Jesus. I'm asking you to open up your heart afresh and say, Holy Spirit, would you just remove the junk as I lay down my life before you? There was a man, some of you might have heard of this name. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote an incredible book. It's a classic. It's a really hard read because it was written in 1937. But this book is called The Cost of Discipleship. Bonhoeffer was a German pastor. And in a way, he kind of started this little kind of commune, live-in kind of let's hang out sort of space and let's follow Jesus with all, all, we've, all we've got. 
And this German pastor, he had a specific, notorious, well-known opponent. And that opponent's name was Adolf Hitler. He wrote this book just before the start of World War II. And in it, Bonhoeffer challenged people to count the cost and to make a decision to live as true disciples of Jesus. And this stance cost him his life. And I believe just as Bonhoeffer had this challenge where he was calling the church to live countercultural to what is happening in the world, I believe that we are faced with the same challenge, the same great challenge in this time. I believe that what we see as Christianity today, unless we make some radical changes in our hearts, I fear for our children and our children's children. Because we don't live in a Christian society anymore. We live in a post-Christian society. And the scariest thing is, the church still think we're in a Christian society. And so we think things like youth group are gonna disciple our children. (laughs) It's not. We think good Sunday services are gonna bring this flurry of souls into the kingdom. It's not. What is, is when when a person gets completely encapsulated with the vision and the cause of Jesus. That they pay, they count the cost and they're willing to pay the price for following Jesus. He said this, our secular culture is out discipling the church. Did you hear that? This is Bonhoeffer in 1937. Our secular culture is out discipling the church. End quote. More and more of us are more at home in the world and we're alienated from paying the price of truly following Jesus. And as the pressure grows to accommodate our culture and to fit in, we must resist. And Jesus calls us to turn from the ways of this world in terms of accepting immorality, embracing self-indulgence, greed and the like. Otherwise we end up with cheap grace. We end up with cheap grace, which is an enemy of discipleship. And this is how Bonhoeffer describes it, the challenge succinctly. He says this, cheap grace is a grace without discipleship. A grace without the cross, a grace without Christ Jesus, living and incarnate. Costly grace is the hidden treasure in the field. For the sake of it, a man will gladly go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy, which the merchant will sell all his goods. Like Bonhoeffer, we teach that Jesus rightfully requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice from those whose thoughts are truly inspired by the good news of Jesus. So the question is, will we pay the cost of discipleship? 
Will we as a church in this room, visitor or not, come to a place where we lay down our lives again afresh for the cause of Jesus? I'm not saying quit your job and let's all go move up to Elkanah. I'm saying lay down your life in such a way that God would use you to impact your neighbours, your work colleagues. I'm challenging you today, like the Lord's been challenging me. Matt, will you count the cost afresh? True to uh, Bonhoeffer later defined cheap grace as hearing the gospel preached as follows. Of course, you've sinned, but now everything is forgiven. So you can stay as you are and enjoy the consolations of forgiveness. And such a proclamation brings about deformed Christianity where you just go, I'm saved and then I can just go and do what I want. It brings about a deformed Christian. I'm preaching strong this morning. Romans 12 verses two says, be transformed. It says, starts off, sorry, by saying, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. See, when you conform to the world as a believer, you actually become a deformed Christian. In order to be transformed, you must acknowledge, this is where we started right at the start of the sermon, the culture and the time and the space that you are living in right now. Because the pull of the world is strong. Conforming to the world is easy, it gratifies the flesh. And we must acknowledge and we must repent of those areas that we are deformed and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and transform us. True discipleship is costly because it costs a person their life and it is gracious because it gives them true life. True discipleship is costly because it condemns sin and it's gracious because it justifies the sinner. Put simply, when you count the cost, you plan ahead. You take inventory of everything that needs to happen before you pursue the goal. And so now the question is, are you prepared to pay the cost? Because we can talk about money all we want, (laughs) but God doesn't really want money. That's not why He He ever even spoke about it. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And He wants it afresh today. And we're gonna do something that's gonna involve every single person that is a believer in Jesus. So I believe the Holy Spirit wants to ask you this question today. Will you lay down your life again? Will you take up your cross? And will you follow me? This isn't a call to being a part of Empower. This isn't a call to weekly attendance. This is not a call to an offering of money. This is a call to an offering of your life. So come on, why don't you stand to your feet?
And I wanna invite you today. Maybe you're away from God. Maybe, maybe your life's just kind of blocked up. It's just cluttered. It's just, it's just hectic, man. Maybe, maybe there is sin in your life. Maybe you've got an addiction. Maybe, maybe there's stuff going on. Maybe your heart's cold and lukewarm. Or maybe, maybe there's something else on the throne of your heart. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's health. Whatever it is that you give more attention and focus to than Jesus, it becomes an idol. Maybe it's sport. I don't know. There's a big list, isn't there? We'll just keep going. Reading through the dictionary. Maybe it's ministry. Maybe ministry is that idol that's in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit right now, as you just close your eyes, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I believe He's calling your name, saying, will you lay down your life again for me? Will you count the cost? Will you be one of my disciples? Because it requires true worship. And it starts with you understanding that the thing that you really steward is your own heart. So maybe you wanna kneel in this place. Maybe you want to bow your head in prayer. But I want you to take a moment. And I want you to do your business with God. I want you to repent of your sin. I want you to ask Him to forgive you. I want you to get those things out of your heart. And I want you to allow the Lord to have His rightful place again. We want to pray for you. We want to lead you in a prayer. We want to we want to pray for you. We want to minister to you today. So if that's you right now, you say, Matt, I want to take up my cross. I want to follow him. Just come out. Just come out. Let us pray. Let us pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Come on, have the courage to take that step out. I know God's really, really knocking on the door of people's hearts today. You say, Matt, I want to lay my life down afresh. Well, come on right now. Come on right now. Come on, your life's not over. Your ministry's not done. 
the work the Lord wants to do to you is greater in your future but it requires your absolute sacrifice it requires you counting the costs and laying it down Jesus you deserve the praise worthy is your name if our elders and prayer team can come just begin to pray we're going to wait here for people to come Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Worthy is sake of you, for the sake of what you've done for us and what you're asking of us, Lord. I just pray that in this moment, you would just continue to minister to people, that your spirit would just be infilling people and and calling them and drawing them into you, into your presence, into yourself, into the plans and purposes that you have for them, Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name. Just encourage you to keep coming forward if you haven't already and you do want prayer this morning. We're not going to finish when I finish announcements. So there's still time for you to come if you feel that you need to do that this morning. Really don't want you to leave this place without really connecting with what Jesus is doing in your heart this morning. Um, And encourage you to go back and listen to that message again. I know I'm going to listen to the podcast this week because... We don't want you to, and I know Matt wouldn't mind me saying this, we don't want you to just take what the pastor says as gospel. That's not what being a true disciple is. It's about taking that. It's about then spending time in God's Word and reflecting on it and being encouraged and inspired to take that on as your own revelation and as your own journey with Jesus. 
So I encourage you to do that this morning. If you haven't already filled out a connect form with us before and you'd like to connect with us a little more, you can take your seats, by the way, if you'd like to do that just for a few minutes. Um, we'd encourage you to just use the QR code on the screen and fill that out. Uh, or there's also a QR code up at the desk, so you can do that afterwards as well. Uh, just a couple of quick things that are coming up. We have our men's retreat um, at the end of August, last weekend in August. I don't know how things work in your household, but um, I was talking this week with our team about maybe we need to hand these to the wives and the girlfriends and get them to register their husbands because often guys have great intentions, but you may not have actually filled in the form. So don't forget to register if you're intending to come. It's going to be a really great time together. We also have dedications coming up on the 4th of September. So if you would like to have uh, your child dedicated, you haven't done that before, again, we just encourage you to come and see me. I'll be at the um, information desk on the way out and we'd love to follow up with you and um, organise for that to happen too in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and just finally, giving. I know Matt's already talked about that a bit this morning, but if you would like to give, again, we have a QR code or we have a giving box that you can find on the way out. So um, feel free to use those as well. I have good news that our coffee machine is back up and running. There was a bit of a miracle during the service. So there is coffee ready to go. Um, so I encourage you to just hang around, grab a drink and um, have a great afternoon and great week ahead. Thanks for coming.